The Bain Free Radio Hour. Welcome to the Bain Free Radio Hour. It's a pleasure to have you along. I am Bain Associate Editor and your podcast host, David Afsharirab. Today, we are judging books by their covers. I know, I know, we're not supposed to, but of course, readers do. We all do. Covers are a major sales tool for publishers, and for readers, they are a window into the world between the covers that the author has created. Today, DJ Butler chats with Bain's longtime cover designer, Carol Russo. Carol has been with Bain from the beginning, actually before the beginning. She worked with Jim Bain before he created Bain Books. If you've ever seen a Bain cover, it's likely you've seen Carol's work. Today, Carol discusses what a cover designer does and walks us through some of her recent favorite Bain covers. If you normally listen to the podcast, you might want to check out the video this week. And now, the news. It's the hot as July John Ringo's ebook sale. It's the middle of summer and the mercury is rising and John Ringo's Live Free or Die is back in trade paperback. So this month we're offering up scorching hot deals on Ringo's blazing backlist titles. Through the end of July, get John Ringo's entire back catalog in a special discount eBooks bundle. Save over $50 off list price when you purchase the bundle or get $1 off individual titles to round out your collection. These prices are good through the end of the month and are valid wherever Bain ebooks are sold, though the one-click bundles are available only through Bain.com. For a complete list of the titles, head on over to the website. And that's it for the news. Uh, welcome, Bain Free Radio Hour listeners. Uh, we've got a bit of a special treat for you today. Uh, I'm here as DJ Butler. I'm here with Carol Russo, who is not one of our authors but who is a freelance cover designer uh, who has been doing Bane covers uh, since before there was Bane, is what I have been told. Uh, yes. Carol, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Yes, it was before it was Bane. I was working with Bane when he was an editor at Ace Books, and he left with Tom Doherty to, at that time, and they had tour books and Jim Bain presents. And I was basically their cover designer because I had worked with Jim at Ace Books. And, and then from there, he like branched out into just Bain books. And he was in um, New York for a long time. And then he moved, he was in New York first. And then he moved down to North Carolina or South Carolina. I don't remember which one, but then he was there until it became now Bain Books. Yeah. So that's, um, am I, uh, do I have the time frames right? That must be kind of early to mid-1980s. Is that right? Is that kind of early yeah. 80s you started doing this? It had to be around that time because it was, it was one of my, it was my first job at Ace Books. And then when I left to freelance, it was, you know, it was in the 80s. And at that time, he called his books Jim Bain Presents. And, you know, then and then he moved over and he was in um, uh, the Bronx for a while. And then he moved to move down. But, yeah, yeah I've been with him from yeah. before. That's Probably. fantastic. I, I want to hear that you started telling your about kind of some of the differences between what you what it used to look like and what now the job looks like. And I want to hear that. But. But just first, just generically, like what what does the cover designer do? You're you're not the cover artist. What's your role in producing the book? Well, our role, the role of the designer is, you know, I'm given a piece of art. Usually it's it's Tony will, you know, like commission the art, or the art director will commission the art at a at a company. And they have a particular book. And then then your my role is to put the type on it, the title, and to, you know, like usually be able to make it feel the way it's going to be, like if it's horror sci-fi, if it's fantasy or whatever it might be. That's my job to try to like make it look like, you know, the whatever it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. But it, it, it's, 
So you're trying to communicate things like genre, but also kind of the mood of the book. Right. Maybe. And, and what the, well, you have to look at the cover itself and, you know, like make sure that the colors work and this, you know, like everything works together. And a lot of times an artist that will not give me enough room on top or not give me enough room for the title. So we have to like do a little bit of modifying in, in Photoshop in order to get rid of like some, you know, like maybe to make more room on top, add room to the bottom, you know, because I'm just given a piece of art and that's what I have to work with. Right. And the art's final at that point. So yeah, Tony, uh, so pretty, pretty, pretty final. Years ago, we used to get them in sketch form, which probably was a little better because if we needed more room on the bottom, like right now I'm working on the, the next uh, More Than Honor. And I know that um, David Mattingly sent a sketch and the title is, there's no room on the bottom for a title. So, so now I'm adding something, you know, color on the bottom, but if in sketch form, I can probably relate that to Tony and David could add some something, you know, some more color on the bottom. But that's, yeah. that's you yeah, know, yeah. Some, sometimes it works. But most of the times I just get it as is, and that's what I have to work with. Yeah. So, okay, so I'm interested in the technological change, right? Because we're talking about like 40 years. So like there's a couple generations of, of oh. book technologies here. When, well, believe when, it or not. You were doing this at eight. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we actually did mechanicals. You know, like they, they, it was but like, well, yeah, nobody, anybody under 30 is never gonna know what this means. It means you used a T-square and a triangle and you actually like would, you know, like paste everything down for the printer. And then you would send, you know, like you would mark it up for color or for everything else. And you would send that along with the transparency of the art and they would put everything in position. And then that changed a lot because now they don't do anything. You have to send them what they call a PDF, which hmm. they just print. They don't do any separation. They don't, they don't do any silhouetting. They don't put any, they don't create the special effects. You have to do all that now in, in you know, through the computer. But at one time it was, try I used to actually hand letter, you know, like yeah. on acetate. I used to letter the letters. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, how fun. So, so do you, and maybe this is like a question too, whether it's like it used to be one way, now it's another way, but um, if, if the artist presents a piece of art, do you then go to Tony or back in the day to Jim and say, look, here's, here's what I'm thinking, here's a couple different versions? Oh, yeah. I, uh, like, yeah. like, back and forth is there. Yeah, what I do generally, what, what, what will happen is Tony will send me, or, you know, Joy or someone sends me the art for, for the cover. And then I send Tony maybe, maybe as many as six or seven comps, you know, well, you know, like within, you know, maybe different typefaces, possibly different colors, different variations. Then when she looks at it, she may like, she may like one just as is, or she may say, hey, I like the author this way, but I like the title that way. Or she may even tell me to try something else that I've done on another cover, you know, like use a metal effect or use this or use that. No, I sent her comps, usually around seven for a book, seven to, to 10. Yeah. So and when you she, say comp, you like these are different drafts. Like here's one version, well, here's another version. Exactly. What I, you know, the the JPEGs I sent you, that's pretty close to what a comp will look like now on a computer. You know, it looks pretty finished. So she's getting a very finished look, looking cover seven different ways. And then she can like yeah. pick, choose and change or, you know, and she knows enough to say, oh, I want the outline brighter or I want this darker you know like so yeah no it's not just one one piece of art and one cover we i sent her a bunch of choice you know choices for her to see when it's a yeah. series it's a little tougher because then you're stuck to the series and she it's mostly color and you know things like that yeah so, so you're doing this in, at this point in, in some kind of graphic design software, right? Something like Acrobat or, or something. 
Oh yeah, no, I use the, the programs that I use most are Photoshop and Illustrator, you know, for most of the, yeah, yeah that, like now almost everything is done, um, you know, in layers in Photoshop or in Illustrator. I like Illustrator because I still, I guess I have the old, the old habit of doing a lot of hand lettering and I can manipulate. I actually redraw some of my lettering in Illustrator. So that I use for okay. my titles and authors and stuff. Photoshop is great for special effects, you know, and for, you know, doing whatever I need to do to get the cover. Because it's all put together really in, in, in Photoshop and very little is done in the, um, you know, like uh, mechanical. Now I use Quark, nobody else uses Quark anymore. They use InDesign and I know how to use that, but I don't. I don't like it, um, but that's just a format to put your cover together in. Nobody even sees what you're doing in that, because when you send it to a printer, it's, it's actually PDF. ready. It's a PDF ready to print, and if there's a mistake in it, or you have, you have to do the whole thing over again, you know they don't yeah. do anything at the printer anymore. Yeah. And you're doing the front, but also the spine in the back, right? So oh, yeah. The whole no, exterior. The final, yes, yeah, the whole thing. The front, the spine, the yeah. back. And, you know, and we get our, um, our templates from the printer because what happens is by that time, they know how many pages are going to be in that book. And depending on the printer that's going to print it, they send you this, you know, the sizing of the book. And uh, every printer is different because they use different paper, different this, if it's a hardback, if it's a jacket, it has wraparound flaps. So yeah, no, yep. we send them the whole thing. Yeah. I should have, it, it gets, it, it really is, it's, if you ever did it from the, the way we used to do it, it's so different because it leaves nothing to, to your imagination. What you're gonna, what you send them is what you're gonna get. But then again, yeah. it's a lot harder because years ago, like if you wanted something done in foil, you would tell them to, to make the stamping, the, the die. Mm -hmm. Now you have to make it in your Photoshop document and you have to send it okay. to them. Yeah, you yeah, know, interesting. They don't, they don't do any of the special effects anymore. So that's interesting, that kind of, so I was wondering as we were talking about this, the adoption of Photoshop and stuff, right? It sounds like you can probably mock up a, a single cover, a single comp faster, but it sounds like maybe one of the results is you're doing more comps. So you go to the editor and you say, or the art director, and you say, well, here's eight instead of right. here's two or three. And, and she then says, she feels comfortable saying, well, this, but that, and the other thing, and you go back and do a ninth because the software it's not so much that it saves you time, it gives you flexibility to, to do lots of comps and change them that way. And also they can see it better. And, and you're right. I don't think we ever go through, oh, just like that. It's usually, oh, why don't you make the outline of this, this color or the outline? It's, it, it is, it, it makes it a little bit more, you know, like for them, for like the editor or for the, usually it's Tony. And she'll say, you know, oh, let's see the author with this outline, or let's do this, or let's do that. And, you know, since we're working now and she can see it just as it's going to print, it's easier for her to ask for those co corrections. Like when we used to do the old way, you know, you were just guessing. Now you're not guessing anymore. She's seeing it the yeah. way. It's the way it will come out. Yeah. And now, that's really interesting. Let me ask, let me ask another question here. I, um, and I asked this, but I'm completely ignorant. I've self-published some books, but I just got somebody who's smarter than me to do the cover design because I don't, I don't know how to do it. Um, what are you aiming for? Like as you're designing a cover, so any art, the art is a given. What do you want the cover to do? What, what are the key objectives when you're, when you're designing a cover? Well, when I'm working with it, I, I guess the objective, you want it to really look, you want it to be striking. And you want someone, I mean, like, I know I go looking in bookstores and I, you know, go to pick up a book and I want, 
I want it to look good enough for someone to pick up and say, hey, this looks like it might be an interesting book. Um, and sometimes the type will do that. You know, if it, the cover of a book can make you pick up a book, I know it does me, but maybe that's because I'm a cover designer, I don't know. But, it, you know, it's almost like if you have a good title, if you're looking at a movie and you have a good movie and the title isn't is great, you might say, oh, it looks, sounds like I'm gonna wa watch this movie. Same thing with the book. If, if the cover looks good, you might be tempted to pick it up. That's, I guess that's my aim. I want people to read the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting, okay. Well, let's do this. You sent me, you sent me 10 uh, Bane covers. Right. And what I'm gonna do, um, is I'll just I'll just share them uh, so that uh, anyone who's watching this on video can see them. And if you're not watching this on video, you can maybe switch to the video podcast or uh, or you can look on Amazon. I'll, we'll say the titles, um, and uh, and and you can just take a couple minutes and comment on each and say you know here's what I like about this. Here's what I here was hard. Here's what was frustrating, or you know here's what Tony and I fought about, or whatever whatever you find interesting how does that sound uh is that it's good. Sound sounds good work? sounds like that'll work um what i okay. liked about this one is i mean i i went i like kind of the elegance of the type because this was like uh you know it looked like a antique type of place and it, and yet it was blood and whispers i just i like the combination of the blood and the whisper type very very fine type and the the blood type and now that blood type that's a, a, a sample of like the special effects you can get in photoshop it gives you like kind of a bloody kind of look but i i like the art and it was like just it just seemed to lend itself to this kind of very elegant type sort of fantasy not total fantasy but you know, clean looking type. It was, it was, I just kind of liked the way the cover came out. Yeah, I like it too. So the, the, the Anne of Whispers has kind of art deco to it, me. Yeah, well, it, I was uh, looking, yeah, it does. I like that typeface. I mean, but, um, yeah. you know, I but think I, I to... go ahead. You go ahead, please. No, 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 no. The, the, it. All I can say is when I, I look at a, a cover, what I do is I go through my typefaces, which I probably have thousands of them, and all of a sudden one will pop up and I say, gee, that just fits that book. And that's usually how I pick the, the font for the face, you know, for the cover. This this font was yeah. was one of them, and I just happened to like it. And the blood, I figured should be a little different. Yeah. Okay, so I got a couple of questions. I got several questions for this here, all right? Um, so one question is, how much do you know about the book? Do you get summaries of the book? Do you do you read part of the book? Well, sometimes- You can't read them all, right? That's a lot of books. No, I can't read them all. Actually, some of them I design the insides of, so I do know a little bit more about them. But if not, there's usually a summary somewhere on, you know, like I get a summary of the book you know, like someone will tell me, you know, like I'll get an idea of what it's about. This one, you know, I don't remember, but for some reason, you know, usually when I get the cover, I'll get maybe a little bit about it. And that's all you need to know. And if I'm going the wrong way, like if I send something to Tony and it's like not the right kind of a look, she'll tell me. So, you know, usually, yeah, yeah you know, she'll, She'll say, yeah, it should be more of a sans serif or more of a this or more of a that. Yeah. So uh, actually, that's because I that second point here. So you've actually got at least, well, not counting blood, at least two forms on this cover, right? Maybe you've got more. Oh, no, this. It, it looks to me like. The yeah, there's two. Well, there's the one font for blood. Unless, and that could be partly hand lettered. And the end, the whispers, 
and the author's names are the same font. And then, you know, the other text, and I generally try to keep the other text that's like talking about the book, like totally different. Like if the, you know, like a sans serif versus a serif, I rather than mm -hmm. using more. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's interesting. So you've got, you got two, two fonts here, right? Uh, um, of a soldier of the Archangel is the same font. It looks like the same font as that one line down there. Some secrets of Western. Um, so, so tell me about contrast, because one of the issues, I, and I'm not a cover design guy, but one of the issues I've had when I try to do this is putting the font over and you can't <laughs> it's too similar in the shade of darkness or well like now if you notice under you know under this in the back of blood and whispers i i gave it a a, a black shadow a very hazy shadow to pop it from the background um and that oh. you in photoshop it's it, it's a blur. It's called a Galveston blur. And what it does is, you know, you just you have to silhouette the type in Photoshop, and then you just you know modify it and expand it, and then you make it you know put black in it or whatever color whatever color you want to put in there, and then you do a Galveston blur behind it so that you see you can see where the E is in whispers. Right. You can see the black background there, and that's what brings it out from the background. Now, sometimes you just need a, a shadow, which is the author just has a shadow because he's popping it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. And the E is a good example because it's, it, there's like a horn sheep or something in the background, which is kind of a similar color to the font. So right. uh, the shadow helps it, helps it be really visible. Yeah, well, that's that's why you know, like a lot of times, you end up adding, uh, you know, a shadow, or you know, like a you know, a haze behind it, or sometimes you know, I just darken the whole top of the the piece of art. It it you know mm -hmm. just depends because I can put, um, you know, a, a black shadow over the top part of the art to, to you know, and still make it transparent but darken it. Yeah. Um, okay, let's take a look at another one, shall we? Let me, let me uh, pull up, uh, I'm going to pull up Chicks and Tank Tops here and share that one. Um, so this is, uh, these, these are all fairly recent books here we're looking at. Oh, yeah, I, I took the ones um, that was desktop, yeah. Um, this one, believe it or not, Chicks and Tank Tops is, is from an old series. The Chicks Inn, oh, yeah. yeah, is from an old series. So I, there again, there we go back to the series. I had to use the Chicks Inn from the series, but yet it's a totally different author, but it's based on that series. So they wanted that look, but I, I kind of like this because it had, you know, that um, sort of mixture of feminine and sci-fi, the tank tops in, in the metal yeah. look. Yeah. That real hard, real hard, punchy, kind of military looking, right? These steel brushed. Uh, yeah, that's a square. Right. Well, that's like a, it's almost like a metal. The, the tank top says that's a, that's a Photoshop special effect. You know, you get like it's yeah. actually a look. And um, see, years ago, we we wouldn't have been able to do that unless right. you paint. It would have probably been a solid color, but the rest of it, the Chicks Inn is very, like I said, that's part of an old series. Right. And so we go out on the chicken female, it's going to have the same kind of cursive uh, yes. font for chicks at the top. Right. But, you know, we, we changed uh, it with a little bit more modern for the tank tops. Uh, I like it. Um, so tell me why you've got some, you've got some combinations of white and orange in your sort of functional text here. 
Um, tell me why why mix up colors there? Why not just be all white, for example? I mean, I think it would be just as legible, I think. Oh, it would. White. You know, I was just trying to bring some color into it. You know, like um, I may have sent, now this may have been a situation. I'm just making this up now. I may have sent Tony one with the outline chicks and shame in like maybe in a blue. And in, you know, and, you know, like, and she may have said, no, I like the yellow or make it yellow or, but mm -hmm. I, I, I probably picked that up somewhere in here. There's probably some, if you look in the background, this kind of an orangey, those clouds and yeah. stuff. And, you know, you just pick up, you know, sort of the colors that are in there. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, like, I, I silhouetted her head over the tops because see, that's the kind of thing that years ago you tell the printer to do, but now you have to do it um, because you don't want to cut her head off. And yeah, yet yeah. It's, it still reads, it still reads very nicely. Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, no, I did definitely orange in the art, right? In the smoke, but also the tank the background. background is kind of higher. Yeah. Yeah, with the fiery background and the so then I just followed through with the the yellows because it popped and they like some of the stuff to pop. Yeah, uh, uh, fantastic. Um, so something like putting her, I mean, I guess really what I'm hearing is you get the cover art and then you just go show Tony some options and say, here you go. Absolutely. And we, and we end up with, yeah. I may give her like as many as since. You know, like I may use the basic chicks and tank tops, do different colors, not in the chicks in because that's that's been like part of a series color. But, um, you know, I may do different color outlines. I may dif do different color, you know, edited by maybe the author was doing. And then she'll come back and say, yeah, but let's let's use the orange outline with the orange, you know, in the editor. You know, she'll she'll give me her comments. And then, then we come up with the final. Yeah. Uh, okay. Interesting. So, so speaking of series, so I want to I want to look at Dan Cobalt's Dragon series because you sent me both the first and the second covers here. So let me let me share the first cover, and then and then I want to hear your comment about you know so what are some of the challenges or adventures when you're when you're designing the first book of a series or the first book that you don't realize is the first book of a series. Well, that, that was that was this one, you know, like if you look at like the angles, it really lent itself to like some kind of like angle te text. And uh -huh. so I really went crazy. I, I said, oh, this really works well. And never realizing we were going to have another in the series. But it it worked well. See, this is where you know you take a look at the art, and man, it, it just said domesticating dragons should be on that same angle or close to it as what was going on in the background. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was a fun book. You know, it looked like a fun you know like series. Um, well, yeah. I didn't series then, but yeah, but it was a uh, looked like a fun book. And so that was you know that was part probably hand lettering because you you know that you. You, I do that in Illustrator, but sort of. It's a combination of Illustrator and Photoshop and and hand lettering and you know redoing it in hand lettering. But yeah, and and the hand lettering you're doing in Photoshop though, right? So you're getting in there and you're. I do in oh. Illustrator because oh, the Ill yeah, I can I can that one I can I can actually manipulate the. Um, you know, I can manipulate the lines. I can, you know, actually redraw stuff. In photo in Photoshop, no, you know, what I bring in there is what I what I'm gonna use. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can absolutely see what you're talking about. If you look at the dragon's open mouth or the angle at which the guy in the suit is kind of falling back, it's basically the same angle as the font. Right. Then uh, the Look at those, whatever they are, you know, just the highlighted like angle things in the background, you know, on, yeah, you the know lights, or, lights they are, they, they, they just say, oh, yeah, you, you should follow that angle or, you know, try to follow that angle. And then I came uh, to this. I love it. Yeah, I, I have. It almost looks like. 
Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say this was a fun book. Yeah. Yeah. It almost, the way you've put the text on the top, his name and also the title, it almost looked like it's sort of the, the capital of a column, right? Because in there, those like, pipes that come down. They look, it yeah. Has, well, it has a very nice. No, that, this, this one worked perfectly as is. The next one was not so easy. Yeah. So, okay, so there's this one, and, and then and then you got book two. Surprise, there is a sequel. Uh, and uh, let me let me share book two here. Um, uh, and and in, in book two, the graphic elements are, are just hanging straight down. And, and also, you see the top, I, there was no top. The, the dragon was the end of it. So what I did was yeah. I explained background because there was really, I didn't want to lose the, the dragon on the bottom. All, all the exciting stuff was going on in the bottom. And so I added to the top and then I said, oh, wow, what do I do with this type? But then I, I got it to kind of blend into the background and it worked, it, you know, but it took a while. It was one of those things that I said to myself, okay, now, now I'm dealing. And that happens. And sometimes you get a, a title that's like, you know, 15 letters long and you say, oh boy, now what do I do with this? But this worked after a while. It's good. And we can see, we can see some of the, so for example, here again, we have orange that comes forward in the logo, but also the kind of title of the series and around the author's name, but that, that, that goes with, you know, the, the guy's flight suit and kind of the red rock in the background. So we can see you picking out colors and, and, and then reflecting them in your, in your design elements. Well, that, yeah, and the exactly. blue too, right? The blue of the kind of dragon. Well, the, well, yeah. what I I kind of picked up the same gradation of because it worked with these colors of the domestic domesticating dragons. I I I put in the inside of this type. It worked beautifully with the, this these colors. But then I picked up the orange and the whites and the other colors of the background. But like I said, this one I had to silhouette the dragon on top and add blue because I didn't want to lose all the art. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's what um, the problem is. You know, here again, the artist, they don't know what's going on. And, you know, he's sending a piece of art. But the best part of it, even the guy on the, I had to pull up the, uh, build a dragon sequence because I didn't want to lose the dragon on the bottom too. You know, you, you, oh, yeah. you know, if I brought him down or if I enlarged it differently, then you're losing some of the best parts of the art. Yeah. That's so interesting. So part of that, the one challenge here is that you're, you're committing or kind of a, a thematic design that, that where now the art doesn't match well. So, uh some of the key elements of the art are right where you want to put some important text <laughs> yeah and and you know when an yeah. commission he's just commissioned see that's the, the the problem with commissioning art without seeing where the type is going to be and um and the the uh, artist doesn't know either and a lot of times these a lot of artists will paint because they sell their paintings afterwards so they don't really want to put too much space where they can't sell it as a painting. Sure, sure. Has to be a painting first and foremost rather than look like a book cover. You know, a book cover that is a painting and that, you know, they're thinking in terms of painting with, we're, we're thinking in terms of book cover. Yeah, uh, how, how, very, uh, how very interesting. Okay, here's, here is another one, um, uh, another recent, uh, this, well, this one maybe is a year or so old, but Pat Childs's uh, novel Frontier. So we have, we have here uh, sort of a classic Bain spaceship cover, right? We have a lot of spaceship That's covers. That's you. It's really just a basic hard side, you know, Bain's, you know, spaceship type. And, you know, just to show like, you know, really just a science fiction cover. 
but it, yeah. it's now we've used the see the foil looking to match the ship in the red you know like there again uh -huh. the other colors and you know trying to pick up the look of the spaceship in there you know the 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 uh, the yeah. red yeah and and the the font i like i like the font on frontier because the font itself suggests to me it 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 looks a little kind of military it looks a little it looks a little kind of near future it looks like something that we might put on like a nasa spaceship today something that i don't know would be on a star wars you um well, remember I said a lot of times what I do is I go through fonts when I see the the yeah. um, you know the cover and this font seemed to work well with this. Yeah. 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 Uh, fantastic. Okay. Okay. I love that one. Um, let me let me grab the next one. So um, we're about halfway through. So this is this yeah. is I'm loving this. Um, all right, every everybody's going to recognize this one. Every, everyone should recognize all of these, of course. But here's uh, here's Larry uh, Monster Lines. Um, this is also a very sort of banking art in that you know we sometimes have kind of babes in action, and uh, and this is one. Um, what what are your comments here? Tell us about this cover. Well, this is this is one of those things. This is a, a, a series. Uh, um, that's why I put it in. It's one of his series, and we're doing a whole line of this. But now I just did one, which the title is like much longer. You know, like all of a sudden now you're stuck with one, but it's a series. So you know, I follow through on the series. But I, I like this. the The font reminds me of like Monster Hunters. You know, like it has those pointy. Mm. Uh, you know, like T's and L's and this, the, the Monster Hunter came from, the typeface came from another series called Monster Hunters. So it's not the same series, but it is sort of the same format series. They do. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to keep the fonts the same. Yeah. I, I, uh, so yeah, so I mean, Larry's got there's like the prequel ones, and now he's doing a prequel one in the '70s, and and the the shared font across all of those is one way to unite them kind of graphically, right? Because a reader can eventually look down and, and and say, oh, is this part of the AI series? Sure, but like the to your point, right? What what is the cover trying to accomplish? You want to see the cover of the book, right? And so having a recognizable font. That's my objective is to have someone like say, oh, gee, that 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 cover looks great. You know, um, the yeah. next doing, though, is a lot longer. It's the Monster Hunter memoirs fever. Oh, yeah. So, so it's, you know, like, but it, I got it in there. But, you know, like, in other words, I keep <laughs> Monster Hunter pretty, you know, standard and then play around with the, the rest of it. The other piece. Yeah. Um, and do you put, uh, I'm not looking at the other covers, but my memory is that Larry's name, I think it looks basically the same on all of the Monster Hunter books too, right? That's part of the sort of- Most of, yeah, because he started out, we were, I mean, when he first started out, his name was pretty small, but, you know, mm. but they're always, they're pretty much always on the bottom, which is unusual when you, you know, such a well-known author, but all of his series, are like that, you know, like, because he started out that, I guess it started out that way. And That's so you're saying, so if we, if we published, like, let's say we published a Neil Gaiman book or something, which we don't have any plans. Okay. So one thing I think you're implying is we might say, hey, Neil Gaiman is pretty famous. We should put his name at the top. Well, most of the times we do. You know, like most of the times we do end up putting the author's name on top when they become, you know, pretty well known. But um, yeah. in this case, because we've done so many covers with him like that, our tendency is just to follow suit. 
So, so okay, so I'm sharing Tim Powers. I'm a big Tim Powers fan. So this is kind of an illustration of the point. Right? Tim Powers is a pretty big name. He's he's a, he's multiple award winning. He's been around and winning awards for decades. He's very prestigious. He's kind of an author's author. I am personally a huge fan. So here's an example. Put the name on the top. Uh, be, and and I guess it's back to that basic point is what's going to grab the reader and make them pick up the book. Well, uh, well, this, and where we think the name might be the thing. Well, with him, he's he's uh, he draws a crowd to begin with, but I just like this book because I like the way the stolen skies, you know, went on an angle. It just seemed to work so well on this cover. Um, but you know, now we're trying to put some special effects in the tape too, rather than, I mean, it it, it costs a. a fortune to put special effects. I think we did use special effects on the hardcover. We may have put foil on the back of this, but um, even without foil, it works. In fact, it probably, yeah. you know, it's like, and, and I just like this whole look of this cover. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the at the, his name where you've got the shadow, but you've also got the white border. Make that really make that because because you, you got a complex background behind it, right? I mean, it's sort of blue, it's sort of orange, it's got some white in there, and and you kind of you set up your font with sort of multiple rings around the letters, if you will, to really make sure the 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 name is legible. Well, I think that that's you know like it's it's important to try to get the titles and the authors, you know, legible. And even Stolen Skies, it's going yeah. over kind of dark and light, but that's why I put, you know, like from light to dark, I, you know, like from gold to silver. Yeah. Um, you know, to give it like that, yeah. sort of that same kind of glow as the moon up there. Yeah, yep. And and so I like this, you, you pointed it out, but the kind of slant of the letters, um, I assume you must have just been playing around with the comps, and that was like one of the you sent Tony. That is one possibility. And she said, "Oh, I like that. I like." Well, yeah, power. actually, right. I mean, sometimes I'll send her like things like that, and then maybe with straight type or this or that. But this one, I had a feeling she'd like. But see, th that's why I have to do this kind of thing in Illustrator because you can't just use like. You can, in Illustrator, you can condense and, and, you know, like make it go on an angle, but it doesn't work unless you start redoing, you know, some of the letters. They don't, they don't work because it's, it's, it's a program. So maybe your E and your N are not going to work the same way. You need to look, make it look like it's actually getting smaller and larger as it's going up. So you have to manipulate the type before putting it. Yeah. And that I do in Illustrator. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Um, all right. We got three three more here, Carol. Uh, okay. Thank you for this. I'm having a, having a lot of fun. Um, so Simon Green here, The Dark Side of the Road. And this is part of a series, too, right? This, yes. Uh, this is part of a series, but I haven't told I happen to like this one because it it you know the uh, the actual type the dark side of the road has that like almost wintry snowy type of you know mm. look, and then his name has yeah and it's a... that's okay I love that. um yeah no it it has you know like. I... This is a whole series they're doing now. The Ishmael yeah, yeah. Jones. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're reprinting these, right? They've been published in the UK and we're reprinting the first, I forget how many, but it's, it's significant, five or seven or something, maybe maybe more. And then and then new ones. Simon's writing new ones for us. I love the 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 font for the title here is is a i guess you would say it's a serif font but it's a little more complex than that right i mean the the uh, the sort of 
the little flourishes, the jots and tittles that make it a serif font, they're, they're sort of, they're curved. They look thorny. They look almost kind of organic. Yeah, no, uh, I like, like their talent. Well, remember I said, I look through fonts as I see a cover and this one just seemed to, you know, jump out and say, ah, oh, that, that. It, actually what I do is in Illustrator, I'll type in the title. And then I go through all the, I through, go through fonts. And then when I see something that looks really good, cause you can change it as you're in Illustrator, you know, you go up and you change the font. And yeah. when I see something I really like, this one just jumped out. Yeah, that's pretty great. Um, so we, I don't have one of the, any other covers in the series, but like how much, I assume that for the other books, his name, like the fonts, for example, would basically carry over and the color schemes would be different and the placement may vary depending on the art, but you'd sort of try to make it look like it's all well, consistent. His name, his name stays consistent um, okay. on the, um, uh, on, on the uh, things. Now, I, you know, the Simon Green, that stays, yeah. you know, may vary, the color may vary. And the titles, um, but they they work. They all work. So yeah. this was this is a series that works no matter what I put it in because the title and the author are in type on top, and the art comes in usually where I have enough room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just That's trying to the... think. Yeah, because I have a bunch of other of his covers on here, I'm sure that I've done that are still, you know, that are recent, but Haunted by the Past, I think is one of the last. Yeah, they- You've probably got several series, several books in the same yeah, series done all pretty quickly. Yeah, they're, they're, they're quite a, yeah. Yeah, see the Haunted by the Past, uh, all I did on that one because Haunted was, you know, like um, I just blurred the type a little mm. but basically the same you know type and i blurred it a little it's yeah. a little air but on that one the shadow is blurred interesting interesting um okay here we go next to last uh tim's on uh the first thing that strikes me is how square these fonts are uh, yeah i and, and it it's a totally different look but it, it worked on this one and it works on the other ones in his, this is another series. This was the first one. I didn't know it was gonna be a series, but it's become a series and it works on all of them so far. So yeah. it had, you know, I, I think I, I, I was looking at, there's that little uh, creature that's like uh, on the side there. And it just looked like that kind of a, you know, he's a, uh, next to the green girl. The sort of lizard? The, the lizard? kind of lizardy thing. And somehow yeah. the font sort of reminded me a little bit, you know, like, but I was looking for the sci-fi version of it. Yeah. No, I can see that. He's got a very kind of square, blocky. He, like, you know, and, and, and it turned out that it worked on all the other series, thank God, but. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Okay, one last one. Here we go. One last one. Uh, I got what you sent me a Wen Spencer cover, so I'm gonna pull up a cover to Harbinger. Her, the, her reason, the reason I love this one, it looks so you know, like fancy, uh, so uh, fantasy. I mean, the colors are everything about it is like, like otherworldly. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because first of all, there's like gears in the picture. Uh, like, and, and if you, yeah. if you look at the, I mean, I, I agree with you. It looks like a, a, like the light makes it look like she's in a magical portal. Right. Um, That's why if you know, type is sort of like metal looking, not, not metal looking the way the other one, almost like a fan, yeah, phantom, fantasy I did that in illustrator but in this one I think we used foil on everything in the background this is the only time I think foil would work sometimes it doesn't but um 
yeah, I picked it. It is, but the colors make it look so, the art looks so uh, fantasy looking. You, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I agree. I, I, I like that. The other thing this cover sort of looks to me like is it looks like it could be like a like a metal album cover. You're uh, right. And and of course, like there's plenty of fantasy in heavy metal, right? Like that's not those two things have a lot in common. Um, but Herminger looks like that could be, you know, an Iron Maiden uh, title You're on an album. <laughs> You're um, right. But it, actually, that we did another in this series, and that's yeah. the font we used. But this is this works so much better in this cover, believe it or not. I can't even remember the name of the other. It was it was there was a series. See, it's the Elf Home series continues. Mm. Yeah. And the first one had that font, but this I don't know. I just, maybe it's the colors in it. It just you know that. Purple, yeah. yeah. And I'm not, really a purple, came not a purple person, but this one I liked. Yeah. Well, it's a wonder. I have read this book. I interviewed Wen about it for the podcast, actually. And so I, I read the book. And um, it's kind of a metal book, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's you know, like she's she she is a kind of a mechanic. That not not when the character is sort of a mechanic. So she invents like a hover bike. And it's in Pittsburgh. So there's there is this whole kind of like edgy blue collar thing with elves and you know ogres who are like japanese samurai so like it, it the font's really delightful i think it really is it really does the the feel of the book justice having read this one that is what i'm saying oh that's great um, um now i didn't read it but i you know yeah. like just the feel see sometimes it's just the feel i get from the cover and you know there yeah. again this was part, but the, the colors in this, and if you notice, it's hard to see, but behind Harbinger, the the the, the actual outline is is fuzzed. It's it's um, blurred a little to give it like that kind of like glow. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. I can see that. Yeah. But very. Uh... Very cool. Carol, thank you for sharing that with us. Well, you're welcome. Um, well, well, listen, is there anything else that we, I mean, we've, we've been talking for a bit here. Is there anything else that we, you think we should cover that we haven't? Is there anything you, you want to tell readers or, or Bain writers uh, about, you know, what you do or your covers? I think we've pretty much covered it. I mean, I just, I love doing this stuff. So I've always loved working for Bain. That that you know, it's the company itself is great. Well, you know that. So I yeah. mean, it's it's it, it it's not just another. I've been in, you know with other publishing companies, but not the same as Bain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a different kind of company, and I think maybe that's why they're successful. The people usually love what they're doing. Yeah. I, well, it shows, Carol. There's a lot of there's a lot of love in your work. I, 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 this has been great. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Carol. Uh, thank you. Bye. And now we bring you our audiobook serialization of Tinker by Wynne Spencer. Inventor girl genius Tinker lives in a near-future Pittsburgh, which now exists mostly in the land of the elves. She runs her salvage business, pays her taxes, and tries to keep the local ambient level of magic down with gadgets of her own design. When a pack of wargs chase an elven noble into her scrapyard, life as she knows it takes a serious detour. Tinker finds herself taking on the elven court, the NSA, the Elven Interdimensional Agency, technology smugglers, and a college-minded xenobiologist as she tries to stay focused on what's really important, her first date. Armed with an intelligence the size of a planet, steel-toed boots, and a junkyard dog attitude, Tinker is ready to kick butt to get her first kiss. 
Lane's house had a massive front door with leaded glass side lights extending the entrance out another two feet on either side. The doorbell was an ancient device. One turned a key located in the center of the door, and the key spun a metal spring coiled inside a domed bell bolted to the other side. Tinker had broken it as a child. Last year, she had fixed it in an act of adult penitence. She spun and spun the key now, making the bell ring unendingly. Lights came on, starting from the lab in the back of the house. Lane came up the hall, her figure distorted by the lead glass and the shuttle accident. The xenobiologist had trained to study the life in the seas of Europa. Crippled, she'd found a second chance studying the alien life of Elfholm. Who is it? Lane called as she came. Tinker stopped ringing the bell. It's Tinker. Lane opened the door, blinking in the flatbed's headlights, leaning heavily on her crutch. Tink, what in the world? This better not be another Tengu you're bringing me. A what? A Japanese elf related to the Oni. Sometimes it looks like a crow. I've never brought you a crow. In the dream I had last week, you brought me a Tengu and wanted me to bandage it. I kept on telling you that it was dangerous, but you wouldn't listen to me. We bandaged it up, and it turned you into a diamond and flew away with you in its beak. I'm not going to be responsible for dreams you had. This was the way conversations tended to go with Lane. Tinker was never sure she liked talking with Lane. They were never direct, easy-to-understand conversations, and were thus an annoyance and a treasure at the same time. Lane pulled an umbrella out of a stand by the door and stepped out into the wet to thumb it open. Well, the phones haven't started working yet, so I might as well deal with this emergency now. You couldn't have picked a worse day to bring me something to treat. If this weren't shutdown day, I wouldn't be coming to you with this. At the flatbed, Lane collapsed the umbrella, set it inside the chest-high door, unlatched her crutch, put it beside the umbrella, and then reached up and swung gracefully into the trailer. Lacking Lane's height and reach, and with one hand nearly useless, Tinker scrambled up in a less dignified manner. Running off the flatbed's electric, Tinker had only managed to set up two lights. The dimness hid the worst of Winwolf's condition. Still, the sight of the bandaged elf seemed to shock Lane. Oh my, Lane said, it is a Tengu. I am not a Tengu. Windwolf whispered. Close enough. Lane shrugged, picking up her crutch. What happened? He was attacked by dogs, Tinker said. A pack of them, really ugly and bigger than wargs. They were magical constructs. They were foo dogs, Windwolf whispered. Lane limped to Windwolf and eyed his many wounds. Foo dogs? Can Tengu be far behind? A oh, good question. Windwolf sighed. Do you understand the strictures of the treaty between our people? Yes, Lane said. Do I have your pledge that you'll abide by it? You'll trust my word? Tinker has vouched for you. Lane threw Tinker a concerned look. I see. Yes, you have my word. Word about what? Tinker asked. The treaty allows for simple first aid. Lane scanned the equipment connected to Windwolf. It theorized that since we can interbreed, humans and elves must be 98% to 99% genetically identical. But then we're 90% identical to earthworms, so it's not that amazing. Except that this is an alien world. We're that close to earthworms? Yes, frightening, isn't it? How close are earth earthworms and elf home earthworms? Do you know how many species of earthworms are on Earth? Lane eyed the power sink. Of course, primates are also 98% identical to us, and we can't interbreed. Has anyone tried? Knowing humans, Winwolf murmured. Yes. Lane laughed, looking amused and yet insulted. As a scientifically controlled experiment or a sexual perversion? Both. Windwolf earned a dark look from Lane. What does that have to do with anything now? Tinker asked to distract the two. The point is that the elves want to keep it all theory, Lane said. 
It's against the treaty to cull any genetic samples from an accident victim. It's why Mercy won't treat elves. She shook her head. This is going to be tricky. I'll need him in my operating room to properly treat him. Tinker considered. I have longer leads. We could leave the sink in the trailer and run the magic into your OR with the longer leads. There might be a drop in power, though. Oil can peered through the AC slot from the truck cab. If I take down a section of the fence, we can back up almost to the OR's window. Oh, we can't, Tinker said. We'll drive over the flowers and ruin them. A man's life is more important than flowers, Lane brushed the objection aside. Will the spell let you disconnect and reconnect? I am not a man, Windwolf whispered. Elf, man, close enough for horseshoes, Tinker said, shaking her head in answer to Lane's question. I can print a second spell and activate it in the OR. We'll have to scrub his chest to get all traces of the old spell off. Horseshoes, Windwolf asked. It's a game, Tinker told him. Oil can and I play it at the scrapyard. When you're better, I'll teach it to you. Okay, Lane limped to the door. Let's make this happen. Tinker printed off another copy of the spell and found longer leads. Oil Can found help at the observatory in the form of astronomers. They took down much of the picket fence and eased the truck to the porch. Luckily, Lane had a hospital gurney in her lab, and they wheeled it over a ramp into the trailer. After Oil Can and two of the postdocs slid Windwolf onto the gurney, they wheeled it as far as the present leads allowed, which took them inside the foyer of Lane's grand Victorian home. There they let him sit, while Tink threaded the longer leads out the lab window. Then came the mad scramble of disconnecting leads, pushing Winwolf to the lab, moving the truck, cleaning Winwolf's chest, applying the spell, and reconnecting the leads. Windwolf lay still as death on the gurney, even after Tink activated the spell. Is he dead? Tinker had been entertaining herself with thoughts of Winwolf's aristocratic reaction to flinging large metal horseshoes at a metal peg. Would he even come see how the game would be played, she had wondered, or would he vanish out of her life like he had done last time? The thought of him dead and unable to do either sickened her. Oh, please, no. And then after that, an even more horrible thought. Oh, no, the life debt. She patted her shirt pocket, and the cancel spell crinkled reassuringly. There was even magic left in the sink to power the spell. Lane pulled on latex gloves and then pressed a hand to his neck. No, he's hanging in there. Barely. Tinker sniffed as blinked away tears made her nose start to run. Lane looked at her strangely. If he dies, Tinker offered as an excuse for the sniffling. I'm screwed. Lane frowned at her, then swung the brilliant light over to shine on the elf's face. Wolf who rules wind. She used his full true name in Elvish, seemingly stunned to immobility. You know him? Lane? Lane looked at her. When are you going to start taking notice of things beyond that scrapyard of yours? There are two very large worlds out there, and you are in an uncommon position of being part of both of them. Speaking of which, Oil Can, can you see if the phones are working? I have several hours of data to upload while we're on Earth. These foo dogs. They have fangs, like a cat. Yes. These puncture wounds must have been made by the fangs. There is crushing damage from the teeth between them. I'm going to treat all this with peroxide or they'll go septic. They weren't genetic constructs, more like a solid hologram. When I hit them with the electromagnet... They unraveled back down to the original creature. Their breath smelled like... Tinker searched her memory, now that she didn't have one of the beasts breathing down her neck. Like incense. Foo dogs are actually foo lions, protectors of sacred buildings, Lane said, temples and such like. They're supposed to scare demons, Oni. I thought you said Oni were elves, related to the Tengu. Elves, demons, spirits. Two cultures rarely have one-to-one -one translations. So you're saying that these bites were made by holograms? 
You're guessing there's no bacteria involved because they weren't eating, breathing, real creatures? Solid illusions, possibly. Oh, who the hell knows? I'd rather be safe than sorry. We have another... Lane glanced at the lab clock, which read 6.10. 18 hours. The thing about animal bites is that they will go septic if you don't stay on top of them. That was another installment in Win Spencer's Tinker. And that's it for the podcast. Thanks as always to audible.com and podcast theme composer Ruth Judkowitz. Praise, thanks, and gratitude to Carol Russo and good night, Tony Daniel, wherever you are. This is David F. Shirerod coming to you from a soundproof bunker somewhere deep in the heart of Texas. Join us here next week at the hammering heart of science fiction and fantasy and keep reaching for the stars.